0: What's going on, you guys? I got more fresh, hot content for you. Um, I sat down and talked with Steffi Cole. Uh, She's a YouTuber, um, avid book reader, supportive of Justin Amash and Austin Peterson, contributor to uh, LibertarianRepublic.com, and she sings and makes her own YouTube videos promoting liberty. And it was an awesome chat. We talked about dystopian novels, um, the future of freedom, uh, different political philosophies, and we talked a little bit about the democratic debates. So go ahead and uh, strap in, get your coffee, get whatever, get a snack, and listen, because this is a really, really good one. About that How did you get involved with, um, I guess you got involved with Austin Peterson first. How did you get involved with the campaign?
1: So I had seen him on the debates, so during the Libertarian Party presidential debates that uh, John Stossel hosted. So Uh I first noticed him there, and at the time I was a Gary Johnson supporter. Um, But I was like, wow, you know, this guy seems to be very young, he's pro-life, you know, he seems to have the same values as Ron Paul. Because I first started with Ron Paul. I was his supporter back then. and. I, I didn't really volunteer for Ron Paul. I made like a few calls for like a straw poll and I mostly donated a ton of money to Ron Paul at the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So anyway, so after the 2016 election, then I saw Austin Peterson at Hillsdale college where he spoke
0: mm-hmm. and he
1: actually spoke about why Donald Trump won. That was the topic of his speech. And then I joined, I don't know if you're aware of the, the ninja group, the freedom ninja army.
0: No, what's that?
1: Okay, I'll I'll have to share the link with you, actually. Okay. Um, we also have a Team Liberty page, too. That's kind of an offshoot from the Ninja Army. Okay, I think I've that seen was, that one. That was created during the Senate campaign. But the Freedom Ninja Army is basically just a huge group of Austin Peterson fans, pretty much. They're like, you uh-huh. know, libertarians, just liberty-loving people that love to talk to each other. Uh-huh. And so, so, I got into that, and I just became really active in the chatting with everybody. And then, when Austin, you know, said he was going to run, he called like I think four thousand people. so he would he would call his supporters personally. and uh-huh. he would be like, "You know, should I run as a libertarian or a Republican?" And he actually got all of our opinions, all of these people. Wow. <laughs> yeah. so anyway, so I just started progressively getting involved. On social media, mostly. I, I went on Twitter. At uh-huh. the time, I was using my Twitter for an old business that I had. I had, like, this little jewelry business. And so I just started, like, tweeting out to people about him. Uh-huh. And I was, yeah. I, I was just flooding the comments of everything with Austin Peterson's stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, when I when I started my Twitter account, it was all about, like, motivational, like, self-help guru type stuff.
1: That's and, awesome, though. I would love to read that stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, some of it's great, but then you get all this traction through the politics, and I got more interested in doing that. Um, yeah. yeah. But that's an interesting idea, though, uh, whether or not you should run as a libertarian or a Republican when you're, you know, really at heart a libertarian. I think it's it's really weird because a lot of people think, you know, it's advantageous to run as a Republican. Yeah. but they don't realize how far you can be dragged down by others um and i guess that's why justin amash left
1: yeah i mean i've been an independent well for most of my life i joined the libertarian party for one year so okay. 2017 to 2018 actually while i was you know kind of doing the campaign for austin Peterson. And then they weren't super supportive that I was helping a candidate that was Republican. Uh So I just didn't feel that I wanted to be tied down to the Libertarian Party. So I became independent myself. So I'm totally supportive of Justin Amash doing that. I I never thought he would. If anything, I thought he was (laughs) going to move to Libertarian. At first, when I heard the news, I'm like, oh, my God, he's a Libertarian. No, he's independent.
0: (laughs) Oh, so he so he left. Um,
1: the Republican Party, right, yes, but he
0: didn't move to the l p He moved no. to independent oh, I didn't realize that yeah I okay. know right. Everything I yes. saw it just made it sound like you know he just switched over to the l p nope. okay
1: nope. he's he wow. truly declared his independence, he okay. is independent of party and and that's what he stands on now is just he wants to represent everybody, he wants to represent uh-huh. his entire community, yeah.
0: That's interesting uh, for me as somebody. I'm a very independent person, mm-hmm. and so that really resonates with me. But the problem I have with that is when somebody really understands um, what it's like to have an independent nature, but they still want to represent you. That I I kind of get into conflict with that. How so? Well, so most of the time I'm pretty against voting um i would i would vote um if it's you know directly advantageous for me but like on principle i don't believe that democracy is a good system and so i have i have trouble um i guess it's just trusting which you know i mean (laughs) how can how can you blame me uh you know having trust problems trusting a politician but how do you know that Justin Amash is different and he's the guy that you want to support that you can actually trust?
1: So I first saw Justin Amash at a speaking event back in 2012 when he was uh, helping out the Ron Paul campaign. So I saw him at Central Michigan University during a Ron Paul rally. Mm -hmm. So after that point, I just kind of followed him online. I know he's a, a true liberty lover, but I didn't really know much about him in depth. So over the past, I would say ever since uh, this fall, I started learning more and more about him. Because back in October, I was in some parades for his campaign. Uh And so that's when I met people from Team Amash. So I met the people that actually work with him. And so they are such down-to-earth people, nicest people you'll ever meet. They're great. And so then this past week, I met Justin Amash for the very first time on Independence Day. So that was when I, I truly actually was able to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And he's he's just a nonchalant guy. I mean, he walks the walk, talks the talk. He is who he is. You know, he's exactly who you see on television, exactly who you see on social media. He is an extremely honest, sincere guy. And I first realized that at his town hall. So I, I went to his town hall. um, What was that a few months ago when he was talking about, you know, the whole Mueller report Uh and the impeachment and whatnot. So that was when I, I first truly saw him, you know, speaking his mind. And I was just amazed by how relaxed he stays. And he's just extremely genuine. I mean, you can tell. I, usually, I'm I'm a good judge of character. I know I know a lot of people say that, but I, I can. <laughs> yes, everybody
0: says that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I can feel it. Usually, I can feel when someone's being fake and not them, but uh-huh. I I have yet to see him be inconsistent.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I guess Ron Paul is the only other um, politician that I can really think that's that's truly like that that I. I believe, you know, he he stands by everything he says. Um maybe I I could see the case for Bernie Sanders on the other side of things. Um but other than that really, I think Ron Paul's the only one like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, Ron Paul, he's he's been my hero since I found him. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always wanted to meet him. Have you met him?
0: <laughs> no, I haven't.
1: Okay. Yeah, that—that's definitely my life goal. <laughs> one day. One day.
0: Yeah. Awesome. So when did you uh, when did you find Ron Paul from just a, his presidential run?
1: Well, I was actually I try to go back in history and figure out like where I actually found him. My boyfriend yeah. claims that we found him by watching the Alex Jones show. So we used to watch <laughs> Alex Jones, and he was like the only one that would let Ron Paul on a show. Uh-huh. You know, back in the day when he was completely silenced, yeah. so we discovered him probably back in like two thousand nine ish, and okay. then I just became increasingly a supporter. I I was part of the Tea Party somewhat. Like I went to a Tea Party rally, so I got involved with that group because you know that was kind of the new wave, the new Liberty wave, right. and then and then Ron Paul was there, two thousand twelve.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember going through an Infowars phase too. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of awesome to sometimes just sit and listen to something that's just so crazy and try and discern like how much do you think is actually true? Because there are some things that he says that are just pinpoint accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and even even what he gets made fun of for the oh, they're they're turning the frogs gay or, or whatever. But
1: yeah, like that um, part, I don't believe,
0: you know, i I saw a story when somebody was talking about that a video and the chemicals that they were putting in the water mm-hmm. supposedly turned the frogs into some sort of like transgender, like transsexual. Oh. It, it changed their like biology. So okay. he wasn't, he wasn't too far off. And I, I wouldn't believe that. <laughs> yeah. So he wasn't too far off in the one instance where everybody makes fun of them. Um, but i've always kind of admired that way of thinking where he just allows himself to grab onto any kind of uh idea and he just uh, he just doesn't filter it
1: and i'll be honest with you i mean people are gonna think i'm crazy but ever since you said that there's fluoride in the water i truly believe there's truth to that and ever since he said that i buy spring water (laughs) really it's because of him yes
0: Yeah, just to be on the same (laughs) side. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting because then you go on his uh, website and you see how many like water purifiers he sells, and uh, you know just stuff like that. But you know if he's right, you know he's he's doing a great thing. So I love seeing that. Um, One of the things that interested uh, me in your content was just how open you are that, like, you're learning. Mm-hmm. Every time I go online, I see people, they're always trying to position themselves as, like, the foremost expert on whatever topic, whether it's libertarianism, mm-hmm. whether it's business, anything, really. And, you know, to show any kind of, like, weakness or I don't know is, like, the, the cardinal sin. But I really love how you're just like, oh, no, I haven't read that. I haven't heard that idea. Let me go check that out. Because... Yeah. For me to do this podcast, to go online and and talk about liberty, I have to do that because I'm so new. There's so much stuff out there that I haven't read. Um, So I have to be open about it. And I think it's really cool that you are too.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, I started trying to gain more knowledge because I felt stupid. I felt ignorant. (laughs) You know, when I'm talking to friends in the Libertarian Party or, you know, people who know a lot of war history like i just felt like i couldn't really contribute and i almost felt like a ditz or something you know like a dumb blonde but it's okay not to know we all have to start somewhere and sometimes when i'm sharing out the books that i'm reading like for example i i just basically finished 1984 today i'm, I'm just in the afterword right now but somebody's like why didn't you read that in high school you know and or like why didn't you read this book you know years ago and I'm like you know what I was stuck in my studies for social work I was stuck in my school yeah. studies I didn't have time for this I'm sorry you know yeah, for for real
0: <laughs> thinking you're that you're better than someone because you know so like it's one thing if you're smart and you're able to I guess like outmaneuver or out think people you're great at critical thinking yeah. that would make you smarter than someone else and I could see you know having an ego about that. but when it comes down to information like oh I haven't been exposed to that yet, it's ridiculous to like be some kind of I don't know <laughs> just have an ego about it. Um,
1: yeah. And trust me, I have a lot of self-conscious moments like when I make shooting videos, for example, like I'm a newbie at shooting. so just just the other day I, I shot a oh. block 43 <laughs> for the first time or I shot an AR15 for the first time a few months ago. And it's like, yeah, my, my grip sucked, you know, like my positioning probably wasn't good. So people are obviously going to tell me that. And I'm sure you're an expert in that, you know, being that you're in the military, you know, and I would trust your input, but it's like, people just want to bash you. They want to criticize you. And it's, and so I have to almost make disclaimers and say, listen, I'm not an expert. This is my first time shooting this gun. What do you expect?
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing when you put yourself out there, even if yeah, like you said, you put all the disclaimers out there, like I don't know what I'm doing. They'll still, they'll still be the know-it-all. They'll still try and put you down. Um, right. But yeah, I saw that. Yeah, you were uh, reading 1984. Um, what did you, what did you think? What did you Because th- I I don't think I've ever talked to anybody who's just read it. What are your big? <laughs> what's your big takeaway from it? <clears throat>
1: So honestly, like, near the end, the end is what got really good. And you're like, oh, my God, this is so messed up on so many levels. I mean, it was like a, a horror movie. It was like the It movie almost. Uh-huh. It was like Fear Factor. <laughs> I mean, it's so disturbing and twisted. It, but at the same time, I felt like it was real. I felt like I was reading a book about the Holocaust. You know, I saw yeah. a lot of comparisons to, like, the Holocaust. Like... Like, for example, they made Winston, you know, get naked and look in a mirror, and it was so dehumanizing, you know, which is what they did to the, you know, Holocaust people. So I I saw so many parallels to our world, and normally I'm not a fiction reader. Like, I read mostly nonfiction. This was the first fiction book I've read in probably like 10 years. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, same. I've yeah, for as far as fiction goes, I really only read Orwell and uh, I read some Chuck Palahniuk, the Fight Club guy.
1: Oh, okay, um, yeah.
0: He has some amazing stuff, but yeah, I, I mostly stick to the nonfiction. Um, yeah, 1984 is crazy, and to be honest, I read it. I mean, a long time ago, so I don't remember all the exact right, stories. Yeah. Yeah, but,
1: everything's fresh in my mind, so right. I can understand.
0: <laughs> but what I remember the takeaways are just like, it describes how government operates. So I'm, I'm always online seeing people say, oh, this is just like 1984. It's starting to come true. But yes. I I think you can go back to any time in history and see, you know, that this 1984, like universe playing out on some mm-hmm. level. So I think it's just, it's a descriptor of what government does.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could take bits and pieces of this book and, you know, compare it to certain parts in history. So absolutely, it, it applies to, you know, hundreds of years ago even. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. So the next one to read is Animal Farm, if you haven't read that one. because I,
1: I haven't read that one either. You,
0: you can read it in, like, an hour. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's oh it's my really gosh. short. Okay. And, Yeah. And it's a lot easier to understand. And it, yeah, and you'll have the same moments like, oh, my God, like, what, you know, what was I, I thinking up until now? <laughs> like that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, when I just finished reading, uh, Michael Malice is always suggesting Brave New World.
1: Okay, um, yes. Yeah, he's
0: he said it's like the better version of 1984. I the don't better know. If, version. <laughs> I don't know if it's better or worse, but some of the stuff in it is really uh, freaky, and it describes just, like, (laughs) just, like, the human condition, and and it's all about freedom.
1: Isn't Brave New World about making, like, a perfect world, like a utopia? Yeah, it's it's another utopian
0: uh, kind of idea. They... um, the overlords split everybody into like alphas, betas, uh, I don't remember all the ones. There's gammas and it, okay. it just goes on down the list.
1: Yeah. And it's like a,
0: a crazy cast type system.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And they, and just like in all the other like utopian style stories, they, you know, they burn all the books, they have a new way of, of thinking and they don't let, they don't let you write or anything anything like that, so.
1: I think that book burning seems to be a common theme in all these books, like Fahrenheit 451. Yeah. I have yet to read the book, but I did watch the movie on an airplane. And that was a really good movie. And like in 1984, they talk about, you know, like you can't read books either and you, mm-hmm. you're not supposed to write. So yeah, it's a huge theme.
0: Yeah, the, the protagonist in Brave New World is, he's like one of the only people left who's uh, read Shakespeare okay and so everybody just exists in this banal all world where they they take everything uh from the top down that they're told mm-hmm. so like the the gammas they won't ever strive to be anything more than you know what what they're given or what their position is um you know as far as this idea goes i actually um i had a friend tell me one time uh you know, he felt he felt bad is actually a a really cool guy because he, he decided to drop out of college and like start doing his own thing. And it ended up working out great for him. But he told me like he's always just down because people are always asking him, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to be? Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you can be can be this you can be this position this job title whatever and he's like no i'm a person i'm a human being so there's so much more to me that you can't like you can't describe me in just a few short little blurbs
1: exactly all about
0: like you can't put somebody in a box
1: no yeah and whenever you meet somebody like usually the first thing they ask you is oh what do you do for a living
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know and it's like really that defines me
0: right yeah exactly it's like what do What do you do for money? And then for, but for most people, that's, it becomes okay for them. And that's one of the things I struggle with is like, you know, there's, there's a lot to me. Um, And when you start, when you start pairing things, like what you do, you know, as far as work and what you do outside of that, and then maybe some weird thing you're interested in, it creates these weird, like unique combinations to where nobody's, the same oh yeah yeah and that's what i love about the liberty movement is there's so much room left for interesting people to take over that can stand up and say you know what i believe in freedom i believe in property rights but i also do this i'm also a cool person you know
1: right yeah like i was thinking about you know in terms of the marketing aspect like where do we find these liberty people how can we keep gathering them and making our group bigger? And it's almost like you need to do a market analysis. Like, what do they like? What are their interests? You know, and it's it's hard to pinpoint because liberty people are everywhere. They like everything.
0: Yeah, and there's there's so many different factions of the liberty movement, which is something I've uh, found out when I uh, I found uh, the second guest ever for my for this podcast um describe himself as an agorist and i had no idea what in the world that yeah what is that well so basically they believe in uh absolute free markets so they don't uh they don't believe in any kind of political system uh they're very big on uh they think that like the black markets and underground markets are the way to subvert government so that eventually uh government just simply can't exist Hmm. so there's some really interesting ideas i encountered right away just by saying you know what i wonder what else there there is like i'm an i'm an anarchist okay and at first i was like okay so there's there's libertarians and then there's kind of these people that seem to align more with my values that describe themselves uh as anarcho-capitalists right And i was like Okay, that's that's more me. So, of course, like, how people think, like, there's this option and then there's this option over here and nothing in between. And mm-hmm. I was super wrong about that. I've met so many people so far that just have completely different opinions on these little bitty issues in the liberty movement.
1: Yeah, a lot of the anarcho-capitalists that I have met, like, you know, they refuse to vote. A lot of them actually are in the Libertarian Party. So that was where I actually got some of my, you know, negative feedback yeah. it was from the anarcho-capitalists and the LP. And uh, so they don't like to vote, but yet they're still active members of the Libertarian Party. So it it doesn't always make sense exactly yeah. what they're trying to do.
0: Um, for me as an ANCAP, I I really don't believe that uh, democracy is a good system. I think our, our whole political system is just a joke. However, if there's somebody who's going to move the ball in the right direction and give me more freedom, I'm all for voting for them. Go out and support that guy that's going to get me what I want. Right. So I you know, I try and be as practical and pragmatic as I can be, and, you know, where you maintain purity is in the ideas, mm-hmm. not necessarily like the outcomes.
1: Yeah, like this next presidential election. I honestly don't know who I'm going to vote for. I cannot bring myself to vote for Trump at this time. I can't. Yeah, no. And in terms of the Libertarian Party, I don't really know anybody good that's running. Honestly, I just was thinking the other day, I'll just vote for McAfee because <laughs> he's just a super fun guy.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's not going to win.
0: Yeah, that maybe would be my vote if I, you know get out to vote that that would be my vote if i'm like you know i happen to be walking by the you know the polling place i might stop in and vote for magpie so so far that's the only one that you know is
1: (laughs) i think adam Kokesh is running for president i don't know if he's officially said he's running
0: yeah i don't know if he is or not he he has a few times though so
1: okay yeah it because he's a, he, hes an anarchist, doesn't he?
0: Yeah, he is. He's a conscientious objector too. So when he was in the military, mm-hmm. I think the Marines. Okay. And you know, filled out all the conscientious objector paperwork. Said you know, I can't, I can't do this. I don't. I won't take part in any kind of violence. And, oh, and wow. got out. Um, wow. So they yeah. allow
1: you to do that if you do fill out that paperwork. You're allowed to leave.
0: Yeah, they they make it as difficult as possible. Oh, okay. And it's a, it's a whole can of worms you don't want to even, yeah. even open.
1: Yeah, that's interesting, though. I never knew that about him. Right.
0: But if you go all the way like he does, that's the way to do it. And he's gotten... I know he's been sued. I don't know if he's... I'm pretty sure he's been arrested for some anti-war demonstrations. Oh, okay. Um, like, in uniform and, you know, stuff like that. Wow. I... I don't know that, you know. I, I can see voting for him because he's not going to win, anyways. <laughs> I mean, but I don't, were, I don't know if he'd be a good leader, you know.
1: Yeah, if it were between him and Trump and Biden, absolutely, I would vote for yeah. Coakesh.
0: Yeah. Did you watch these uh, uh, debates?
1: Of course, I did. <laughs> It, it was kind of the highlight of my week. The very first debate was. The second debate, it was kind of, meh, it was boring.
0: Really? The second debate was was the mm-hmm. boring
1: for you? I like the first one the best. I thought that the the Spanish speaking was hilarious. Okay, yeah, that was,
0: <laughs> that was yeah, just grade A pandering. I loved it. Yeah,
1: I was just like, uh, what the heck is going on? <laughs> I felt like I was watching an SNL episode, you know? It just seemed like a joke.
0: Yeah, those... Yeah, the candidates on the first night were really, really terrible. They, I mean, just from a personality standpoint, there's nothing that could even compete with Trump on the same TV screen. Like it, these are just boring people who don't belong on television at all. I mean, they, I don't. They don't belong in front of any cam- camera. I mean, they're they're terrible. Um, yeah. Yeah. Who's, I'm struggling to remember who was on the first night. Okay, because Elizabeth so, Warren was the winner from the first night.
1: Yeah, so she was on Tulsi Gabbard, Beto oh, right. O'Rourke, yeah. Cory Booker. Who else? So they oh, claimed, yeah,
0: it's all coming back now, yeah. <laughs> they claimed
1: they were the people that weren't polling as well. I think the two groups were the less popular and the more popular, even though I felt like some of the people in the first group should have been in the second. Like, Elizabeth Warren, I feel like she should have been in the second group. Because she seems to be more well-known.
0: Yeah. I. Yeah, it was weird how they split it up. I, I don't know why they did it that way. Except maybe, I don't know, if they're trying to shield Elizabeth Warren from, from the other candidates. That could be a, a thing. Yeah, and...
1: And honestly, um, this is kind of a side note, but speaking about Democrats, I was super excited and happy last night because I had written a tweet and I was like, what campaigns will you all be supporting or volunteering for? And this one person said, Joe Biden. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there is actually a Democrat that follows me. (laughs) And that made me so happy because I really want to bring people together. I just want us to get along and be able to communicate and and so like I, I retweeted that person's tweet because they're like, I'm a Democrat, but I just care about, you know, the actual person and what they're saying, you know, not so much the political party. And so I just get really excited and motivated when I see people like that coming on uh-huh. Twitter because I'm like, okay, change is happening. We are opening the door of communication. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I can I can kind of see looking at it that way, but I would wonder how somebody can follow you like read what you're putting out there and still supports Joe Biden. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. it's weird <clears throat> what the what they have going on in their heads there.
1: <laughs> well, I think the thing that I've kind of learned from Justin Amash is that we all do have similar principles, as he said in his speech the other day at the parade. You know, we all believe in liberty, equality, justice, but we we approach those things in different ways, you know? So we're like, yes, we all should be equal. Okay, we agree with that. But, like, libertarians, we don't think the government should be making all the people equal socially, you know, like social welfare programs. Whereas yeah. the Democrats but, think that's how we make everybody equal is by handing out things to people. Yeah.
0: I would, well I would say when you when you use words like that like liberty, justice, equality and I think it just means something completely different to everyone else. So yeah. it's I, it's yeah. it's not that we're trying to figure out how to get these things. I I just think what's you know what somebody believes should happen as far as justice goes it means a completely different thing. Just, justice to me I I don't know if that belongs in our system because in my mind that means more like fairness mm-hmm. and i'm not sure that everything should operate that way um like do you
1: believe in a governmental justice system or do you think it should all be privatized I, as a anarcho-capitalist I,
0: yeah i think we should privatize that as well
1: mm-hmm.
0: um yeah i'm i'm for privatizing everything um
1: yeah and I would say I'm like a minarchist, um, but I I would definitely try privatizing things, see how it works, you know? I wouldn't be opposed to that.
0: Yeah. The the issue that comes up when you want to privatize uh, things that are outside the bounds of normal opinion, like the roads, jails, and justice system, is it hasn't been tried right. at all. And so it, it'd be crazy to say... Um, if you just took transportation and, and you said back in the day when everybody's getting around with horses mm-hmm. um, and we're going to say okay, the government controls all of that they control the horses and then somebody would say well, maybe we should privatize transportation well, what would that look like? you would never be able to um, even imagine what in a hundred years that private enterprise could do you would never imagine the railway or um, or the automobile. Right. So y- you have to be, I mean, just a lot more optimistic about what an entrepreneur can do. And so when you say you want to privatize the roads, that seems ridiculous now. Mm-hmm. But if if somebody goes out and they start their own private road based on what we know as roads now, in a hundred years, it's going to be, I mean, innovated in ways we can't even imagine. Um, And I I think that's, it's just a function of how the economy and just the world, how human action works. Yeah, human action, yay. (laughs) Yeah. So anytime, you know, someone says, well, we can't, you know, privatize that. I, I question, well, how, how long have we tried that for? Because right. it's worked pretty damn good for just about everything else.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how it would work with like our our border security. Like if we privatized uh-huh. like all pieces of land and there's no public property at all. Like, you know, would we have any security at all within our borders? You know, in terms of the military, for example. Right. Uh, would we just have militias like private militias just all set up? I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things Walter Block talks about a lot. Um, but one of the main ideas for this is if you decentralize uh, borders and property mm-hmm. ownership, um, it actually, you, what you would have is you would have a network of private property owners. So let's say you have like the US Mexico border right now. Right now it's an issue because you're just trying to defend the border. And once right. they're in, they're pretty much in. Right. But let's say that, you know, the first uh you know, the first twenty miles is owned by someone privately of you know where where the border's at. Okay. Uh and then the next twenty miles are gonna be owned by somebody else. Right. So what they can do is they can band their resources together and say, we don't want anybody trespassing or um, over to where I'm at, because if they get to where I'm at, they might where to come to where you are next. Right. And so it creates an incentive for everybody to figure out how do we keep people from going on to other people's property mm-hmm. instead of but, where go ahead.
1: Oh, I was just gonna say, but like if there's one or two people that are saying, "Oh no, I'm fine with letting these people in." Obviously, in an anarchist society, you wouldn't have handouts, you know, so you wouldn't have to worry mm-hmm. about the people. Coming in, you know, right. for handouts. But uh, did you hear what I just said? It kind of uh,
0: no, kind of faded uh, out a little.
1: Oh, okay. So I was just saying, if there's like one or two people though that say that they don't want to, you know, have their property secured, uh-huh. then the people would start coming in that way, and that would affect the whole country.
0: Right. That's that's true. But what what happens when you do that? It's like I'm, I was saying, everything is decentralized. So all the rules are set up um, to where they're optimized uh, for where you're at. So they're all local. So just like how your local government probably operates better for you and knows what you need, where you're at right. in your area, it would be right. the same thing. It would just, there would just be no like intermediary of, of the government. Mm-hmm. So what's, best for everybody would naturally happen.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah I mean I'd I'd be willing to try that like if we were if we were bombed for example from you know another country or being attacked from another country that's when I would say how would we all form together and be organized and try to you know defend ourselves. I don't know how would we be powerful enough to withstand another country's military.
0: Right that's well, that's the thing with this idea is you have to take it, you know, a hundred percent of the way. Mm-hmm. So it so this is how things would exist if there were no countries. So basically everything's decentralized, so you're not gonna uh, have one government coming in and, and bombing you. Because what happens when a big government comes in and bombs you is everybody that's affected by that is gonna band together and they're uh, they're gonna give up each other's power. Um, so that they can centralize violence and, you know, end up in a war with with that country.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, I didn't realize anarchists don't even believe in countries. So, like, you wouldn't believe in, like, the United States being a union?
0: Yeah, no. (laughs) Okay. So it's it's not that um, I don't believe in it or that it can't do great things. Yeah. The more... The more we we move towards a libertarian society, the better things are gonna be mm-hmm. but ultimately i don't um yeah I don't believe in the idea of a of a country to to right. me i I really don't have a connection uh to that I mean honestly, and the more I learn about history and stuff, the more I think that um you know, the, the United States is special, but so much of our history, we hide and we shine it in a in a really, really positive light. And I just think overall what any government does anywhere is, is just evil. And they're the only ones that have a complete monopoly on violence. And so that's why... Um, that that whole idea is something that's like really new to me and it's it's really strange being like an America first kind of guy my whole life right but um but I think it's really freeing to try and think of yourself as just a human being Mm -hmm. and maybe not even so much as an American so I can be you know unbiased when when it comes to what I think you know we should do,
1: yeah. I think that's important because, right, we are all people. You know, Americans are just as valuable as Canadians or right. French people or Mexicans. You know, yeah, and we all have the same kind of DNA.
0: I, yeah, and I think a lot of people don't actually believe that. I think if you ask them that, they would say yes, 100%. <laughs> but, but they don't empathize with, you know, somebody that doesn't look like them, somebody that doesn't think like them. And I think the better we can get at empathizing with just whoever else is human, I, I think that'd be better.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, obviously an anarchist society, it would take a long, long time to get there. So that's why we gotta take small steps, little baby steps. You know, so, so that's why I would support laws that might not be completely what i'm looking for but it's at least inching towards my libertarian goals you know that's the only way we can get there is just slowly undo what we've done
0: yeah we we can either do that or um eventually the whole thing will just collapse Mm -hmm. and that can you know (laughs) that could turn out to be a a good thing or it could be like yeah we
1: we could just start all over you know, yeah. after an apocalypse situation, <laughs> and then we could just start a, you know, a private society. Just right. let people do things themselves.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll get there. Um, what do you think about the second uh, debates?
1: The second ones, I felt like, obviously, they were silencing certain people. Like, yeah. Yang was silenced. Biden, he just, they just kept letting him talk. Kamala letting her talk. I mean, yeah. that <laughs> that author woman, like who in the world is she? Is she on a book yeah, tour? did I, she find herself on a stage by accident?
0: yeah, i I liked her because she was just she was just like in her own world. Yeah, it was kind like of awesome.
1: poetry on the stage. Well,
0: apparently she <laughs> she works or had worked for Oprah. Oh. Um, so some kind of executive or marketing person for oprah and she has all these uh i don't know these best-selling books or something but I, i've i never I'm heard sure. of her
1: <laughs> i'm wondering if she's hoping to succeed as an author by doing this stuff like maybe she's hoping to get her
0: oh for sure out there yeah.
1: ulterior I mean, that, motive
0: yeah that's gotta be you know half the reason why why some of these people run like uh uh, buddha judge has absolutely no hope but
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know in 15 years you know who knows he could be he could be a president
1: and the funny thing about yang i mean i know he's he's totally not what i want but his tweets lately he he seems kind of down to earth i don't know <laughs> he's making him he's making me like him a little bit yeah, I, just his personality. Yeah,
0: I I like him personality wise. Um, probably yeah, best among all the Democrats. Maybe between him and uh, Tulsi Gabbard, but yeah, he's definitely the most. He's he's like so in touch uh, with you know like just average Joe. Um, but yeah, he. He just totally came out there and laid an egg on the debate stage. I know he says his his mic was tampered with or whatever, but <laughs> I, I don't know. And if you're in that situation, I got to think um, that just raising hell about it is your best strategy. Because you look at what Trump did uh, during the 2016 election. He was saying people were messing with his microphone. You remember from one of those debates or people were saying he was, like, sniffing a lot because he was a coke addict. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> and and he just would not let it go that he thought somebody was messing with his microphone. And that gave him so much press. If you're Andrew Yang, why don't you do the same thing and go, they're, they're silencing my microphone. Even if half the people think you're crazy, you're right. going to get your name out there and you're going to take over the conversation
1: yeah i mean it all started with ron paul you know when he used to be at the debates i just remember he would get to speak a few times maybe like once or twice and it was so sad
0: (laughs) yeah it's it really is um it's the whole tom woods show thing you have this three by five uh index card of allowable opinion and if you think anything outside that they're they're not gonna let you talk you're not gonna be hurt
1: Yeah, it's it's just pathetic to me. I mean, do these news reporters really think that Americans, you know, don't notice any of this? I mean, maybe (laughs) Americans are kind of stupid, you know, and oblivious in some ways, and they wear rose-colored glasses. But it's pretty obvious who's more popular on a stage.
0: Yeah, and, well, I guess they do it because, for the most part, it works. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Andrew Yang's not going to be the dominee. The I mean, Mm-mm. you'd be crazy to bet on that. So for the, yeah. for the most part, it works unless you have somebody that's just really out there and really going for it like Trump did or like uh, Ron Paul did.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, I think Biden will probably be the candidate. I mean, he's got the name recognition. He seems to be the pick.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know who I think about. I Biden he he just keeps putting his foot in his mouth and he he's really low energy. I I don't know if he'll get the nomination. I would I would suspect either Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren. Uh Elizabeth Warren oh, really? seems to be the establishment pick. Oh yeah. um, <laughs> Kamala Harris, um, I mean, just oh, she's just disgusting, but uh, but she's—I I think she's really, you know, found a good strategy, and she's not afraid to go after Biden or some of the other candidates. Hmm. No. Um. Yeah. So a thing I ask every single guest, because um, I—I do this for me, and you know, and for everybody else, but really more for me. Um, I got some interesting answers. Okay. Uh, if. Let's say you wake up tomorrow and you're God. You control everything and uh, you get to pick a book that everybody will have read and understand on a deep fundamental level, almost like in the way that you understand it. What book are you going to pick and why?
1: Hmm. Wow. Well... I wouldn't say that I completely understand this book, because I personally need to probably reread it. But the first thing that came to mind was Human Action, because that was one of the first ones that I read when I was trying to start reading. Okay. So Human Action is like a Bible. In <laughs> yeah, it is. I and mean, it's 885 pages of just pure economics and, you know, the real world, why people do what they do. You know, it takes you through everything under the sun. So that's my my gut response to that question is human action.
0: All right, yeah, I like it. Um, yeah. So, uh, what's what's big in your world? What's big in the Siffy Cole world? Uh, any big videos? I know you're you're a contributor for what is it, Libertarian Republic?
1: Oh yeah. So they every Sunday they share my YouTube videos. So it's called Sundays oh, okay. with Steffi. So you can either see the video on my YouTube channel, Steffi Cole, or you can go on the Libertarian Republic and see it. Um, But in terms of the liberty world, well, I hope to volunteer a lot more with Justin Amash. His campaign is, well, he's based two hours away from me. Uh So he's in Grand Rapids. I'm in the Detroit area. So... But, you know, two hours away, it's not that bad. So if I go up on random weekends, that's fine. So that's kind of my focus, hopefully, for this next campaign cycle. And I want to make more videos. I have a shooting video coming, a singing video. I like to sing Liberty songs. And part of the reason I like singing them is because they're not copyrighted for the most part. So on (laughs) YouTube, I'm allowed to sing them without getting in trouble.
0: Okay. like (laughs) What Liberty songs?
1: Um, well, I, my next one is going to be America the Beautiful. Oh,
0: okay.
1: The first one was the Star Spangled Banner. And I'm thinking, like, My Country Tis of Thee. Just keep going down the line, you know, of all the, like, great American feel-good songs. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much, my videos are just, they're developing. So I'm kind Uh of finding myself through my videos. So ultimately, I just want to show my liberty journey, almost like a vlog slash educational video, and put the two together.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. Well, yeah, this was a lot of fun. Uh, Yeah, a lot of lot of great ideas uh, shared, and yeah, it's just cool to connect with somebody else who's like passionate about this stuff and like cares.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, no problem.